This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, August 12th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And there's there's been a lot of news recently that has moved markets. Uh, a lot of it has to do with China, currency movements, central bank policy adjustments. There's a lot going on, and I'm sure you're trying to decipher how it all plays out, how it all makes sense to you and your investment strategy. And if you're looking for unbiased guidance, you've come to the right place. That's what we are here to do each and every weekday on Invest Talk. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and I hope you will make time during this hour of you listening to give me a call with your investing questions. And when and if you make that phone call, you can shape our program to your advantage for this particular day or maybe a future program if you're calling after hours and leaving a message. So, please, I urge you to pick up the phone, give us a call. And our goal each and every day is to help you move one step closer closer to your own version of financial freedom. And we do that with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So we're not Jim Cramer smashing buttons. Uh, we're not hyping the latest IPO. We're not, uh, we're not a hype machine in any way, shape, or form. We're trying to think rationally, not emotionally, about what's happening in the markets when it comes to economic trends, geopolitical trends, sector trends, interest rate trends, etc. And hopefully, over time, you share in our success, and that's the ultimate goal. So our Anytime Listener line is open right now at 888-99-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show or call after hours, and we will answer your question on a future program. Now, my main talking point today concerns a story that investors are buying up these tariff-proof tech stocks as safe havens. And the big question that we're going to try to answer, is that the right move? Uh, And is that going to be a lasting strategy as the trade war drags on? So we're going to touch on that today. Also, I want to talk about potential health hazards of early retirement, especially mental health. I think that's going to be interesting. Also, if you're taking a personal loan, right, you are to consolidate credit cards, whatever you're trying to do, what are some do's and don'ts? And I think it's important to go over these and understand how to go about it in the right way. And then lastly, we're going to talk a little bit, if we have time, about the cryptocurrency space, uh, because I think it's an important area to at least have a grasp on and understanding of because it's not going away. Clearly, it's been around for a while now and it's not going away. It's just a matter of how is it going to evolve. So we're going to touch on that eventually as well. Now, let's take a look, quick look at the markets. We had definitely a solid down day. You had the Dow was down almost 400 points. You had the S&P down 35 points, about a percent in a quarter. And you had the NASDAQ COMPQ, that was down about 90 
95 points, 95 points, also down about one and a quarter percent as well. So overall, we had a pretty strong bounce on Wednesday and Thursday, a modest down day, kind of an inside day on Friday, and we broke the lows on the major indexes from Thursday, today, on the close, which to me is a relatively significant development. Now, does this mean we're going to break much lower soon? Maybe not. You know, I think we could easily consolidate in from the low end of where we were last week to the high end where we were a week before that, right? So uh, a lot has to do with what's how's that trade war going to evolve? How were, how is policy, uh, monetary policy from the Fed going to evolve, especially with Jackson Hole coming up at the end of this month? All of the monetary leaders of the central banks are getting together to discuss future policy and their speeches will be closely followed and there absolutely will be market reactions in conjunction with that. So that will be interesting as well. Another reason why I think there's a possibility where this market just chops sideways until there's more resolution to those two future changes in policy, both in trade as well as from a monetary perspective. So that's what's what happened on today in today's market. Now let's get to a caller. Let's go to Jeff in Chicago. How you doing? Jeff, are you there? Hello, Jeff. Yes, Justin. Thank you for the, for taking yes. my call. I have a question no about a stock I'm looking to buy. Um, okay. The name is Dropbox, and the symbol is DBX. I'd like to think... Okay, you you're know, looking to buy it, and what, uh, what reason? Um, I think it's getting attractive. And okay, based on what metrics? I, based on it's getting cheaper. But also well, it's cheaper, it's yes. <laughs> Well, the the question is, what is cheap? What is considered cheap? Um, now, is it cheap from the IPO price? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely down from its IPO price around what was it? It just recently IPO'd. It was around the high twenties, right uh, area. Now we're in the high teens, eighteen dollars a share at the eighteen twenty two at the close today. It's still trading at sixty four sixty four times EBITDA. which is a very high multiple, okay? And you're seeing the growth slow, right? When it went IPO last year, it was growing revenues in the mid-20s and earnings much higher than that, 100% plus year over year. Last quarter, revenue only grew 18% and earnings actually fell 9%. So at what price do you pay for a company whose earnings are shrinking? No, you tell me. <laughs> well, uh, well so I'm going to say much lower. Would be, I'm, would I'm, be the I'm, reasonable price. I think a reasonable price is somewhere in the low teens at a minimum. Uh, revenues or earnings is supposed to be 43 cents a share this year, and even at a say a 12 dollar stock price, that's still a 30 times PE ratio. Okay. Uh, now, one thing I like about it is they don't have a lot of debt. 
my problem with the business in general is it's a cloud company, right? It's a cloud storage company. And you have Microsoft OneDrive, you have Apple uh, iCloud, you have a lot of different offerings out there for cloud storage. Uh, and I think the sector as a whole is growing, but all those other players have other things that can lock them in, lock, customer, lock customers in to other systems. Like I said, maybe it's for us, for example, and in, in our organization, we use a lot of Microsoft products, right? We buy Microsoft 365, and part of that's Microsoft OneDrive. We have a OneDrive for uh, our, our shared documents within our organization, and it locks us into that, right? What does Dropbox have is my biggest question that will lock people in to their cloud storage solution. With uh, with uh, Microsoft on that turf, so I'm you're saying they sure. they do compete? Yes, they exactly they compete, uh, and that's really the big issue here. Is I'm not going to pay uh, a 46 times EBITDA, sorry, 64 times EBITDA uh, for a company like this. It must must much be must much must be much much lower. I think single digits is where I would be halfway interested in this name, but I don't like its competitive position, so I would absolutely stay away from Dropbox. And I think it will continue lower. And for everyone else out there, go look at this as a great example of how IPOs tend to fail after the lockup period ends. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and you have to get prepared for this market volatility, because it's coming, whether you like it or not. And you need to have a strategy that is balanced for your particular goals, as well as market opportunities. You can sit down with myself or Steve for one-on-one, no-cost portfolio review guidance in San Jose or New York City area or our home office in Irvine, California. We all have dates coming up in the next few months. So go to investtalk.com and register for a sit-down appointment or we can do a Skype, FaceTime, phone call, whatever it is. Now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Is it just another manic Monday? It's been a wild ride in the market, so strap on your wrist belt and pop in your earbuds. This is Invest Talk, and now more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Tell your investor friends and neighbors that Justin Klein is on duty and he's taking listener questions now. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Bob in Sacramento. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for your show. You told me it was okay to buy TVIX. I did very well on that. So um, I'm thinking about buying Macy's, and I'm thinking that the market's going to go down quite a bit, and I'm looking for long-term retirement uh, companies, and Macy's has a pretty good dividends, and everything I read on it, they say the dividend is a good, strong dividend, and I'm, I'm hoping to buy it at $18. Do you think that would be a, a good strategy, even though I know or I think that the market's going to go down more? Uh, I don't, uh, simply because I don't think that dividend is a sound, strong dividend. Now, if you look at it based on earnings, its payout ratio is about 42%, which is not egregious, even though earnings are, spe- are expected to go from $4 this year 
down to two dollars and eighty nine cents in twenty twenty one. So there's going to be, analysts are expecting a deterioration of about twenty five percent of earnings over the next couple of years. But what makes me more worried is not the payout ratio and the future increase of that pay ratio, which is the bad thing, but what the current cash dividend payout ratio is, which is one hundred twenty five percent, meaning that they only they don't cover their dividend with cash flow. About 25% of that has to be made up with debt and an increase in debt. Uh, and that's what really worries me. So I don't think this is a strong, sound uh, dividend uh, in, in any way. Uh, it's clearly in the brunt of the disruption of, of retail and continues to try to muddle and manage its way through a tough retail environment. And the fact that they're deteriorating in a time when uh, you know the economy is relatively good worries me. Uh, now, if they had better brands or something that I think they could make adjustments to really turn their business around, I think then I, it would be a good value and, and I would see optimism in the name. But I don't. I don't see anything fantastic about their, their brand in general uh, or, or suite of brands. So I would pass on it. I don't think it is sound and safe. Uh, I think you need to look elsewhere for something that is more anti-cyclical and has better growth prospects longer term. Thanks for the coat. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Joe in Palo Alto. He's he wants to talk about interest rates. Yes, um, you see more downside for interest rates, and you think uh, buying some TLT calls be a good strategy. Do I, I think in the near term, interest rates are a little oversold or bonds are a little overbought, uh, I think, in the near term. Uh, but I do think longer term calls uh, would not be such a bad thing because I think monetary authorities are turning their, um, their attention towards easing. And I think that's only going to continue. Uh, and I think it's only going to get more extreme before they turn to some other policy tools, which I think they eventually will. Uh, so I don't love the risk revo- reward here on TLT. I would wait until you see a pullback, and then I think you can buy calls because I think you're simply overbought on TLT here. So no, this is not a great time for that. You're listening to Invest Talk, and after the break, we will. Uh, what are we going to talk about? Get to get to another caller. You can listen, rate, and review Invest Talk on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Appreciate you if you do that today. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888 chart This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Take let's take a look at some quick key benchmarks for the close today. Gold closed at $1,513 an ounce, continues to stay well above that 1425 number of uh, resistance that it passed just a, a few weeks ago, and 
it's clear that we're on a breakout with gold. Now, is it overbought and could it come back in in the near term? Absolutely. I think that's certainly a possibility. But, you know, the dollars remain strong even though uh, gold has rallied. You know, usually there's an inverse relationship with it, which I think just shows the strength that gold is having in today's markets where uncertainty reigns supreme. Oil, now about $55 a barrel, still range bound, but overall kind of uh, in a a relatively bearish uh, setup. Although I do think we could get a rally if the dollar sustains its recent weakness over the past week or so. Now, 10-year treasury yield was at 1.69%. Also, I think oversold a little bit could see a rally, which tends to also give a pullback to gold. Wouldn't shock me there. 30-year fixed mortgage rate now at 3.6%. Pretty wild. And what's more interesting, I think, is that while the refi trends are up, it hasn't given much life to the housing market, right? Typically, when rates go down dramatically like they have over the past nine months or so, you see a strong pickup in housing activity. And while you have seen a pickup, it really hasn't been robust. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that people are uncertain. People are not sure about the economic future uh, of the economy. I think the underlying economy still remains slowing. And I think that's one of the reasons why you haven't seen a pickup in housing activity that you might expect. Now, Bitcoin's priced at 11352 remains in a consolidation phase. I think it hit about 14000 just a, a few weeks and maybe a couple months ago. It went down to about 9500 been bouncing back. It's kind of in a consolidation phase. And I think as long as there's uncertainty uh, economically, I think Bitcoin is going to continue to gain some traction. Now, does that mean it can't go back to the 3,000 level that it was just uh, you know maybe a year ago or so? No, I don't think that's out of the question. Uh, it's going to continue to be volatile. Okay, uh, but I think digital currencies in general now have a place. I think they do. Why? And I think it has to do with the network that's involved and i'm not just talking about like the bitcoin network itself i'm talking about the developer network that has that has been established to really rewrite the 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 code rewrite the rules of the global monetary system and i think that's their ultimate goal now there will be a fight over protocols standards fights with governments and i think that will all evolve over time as the technology matures, develops, and more and more people find uses and credence in laws and, and not sorry, laws, but rules around the system. So this is born out of the financial crisis. Uh, It's born out of, say, the Iraq war, say, just distrust in the political system that has built a large discrepancy in rich versus poor 
And I think that is the ultimate goal of these cryptocurrencies is to find ways to avoid or equalize what many people see as inequitable treatment of citizens and companies over the past, say, 20, 30 years or so, right? Privatizing gains and the losses are public, meaning debt is created in order to, I mean, public debt is created to bail out financial institutions, right? Banks. And this is the ethos of cryptocurrency. And this is why you haven't seen it go away, because I don't think those problems have been solved. And I think that's their ultimate goal. Now, will they solve them? Over what time frame will they solve them? I don't know. But I do think it's something everybody should be paying attention to because it's not going to go away and it will eventually come to a head. Once again, I don't know the time frame, but I do think it is something everybody should continue to keep an eye on because simply in today's world, it has some sort of a place. Now, on tomorrow's Invest Talk, why baby boomers' household wealth is now 12 times greater than millennials. Due in part to housing costs, debt, and the Great Recession, but there are ways for millennials to get their finances back on track. That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart Overall, I feel pretty good about our investment decisions, but there are times I wonder if... Our current 401k plan could be doing better. I mean, which funds are the right funds for me? For us. You're listening to someone who could benefit from KPP Financial's active 401k program. I can't spend all my time following the market, and I'm sure it would certainly be a big help to receive advice based on real data from unbiased advisors. The active 401k program features math-based models to guide you in and out of the various investment options in your plan. KPP monitors and advises. You take action. With the active 401k program, KPP clients immediately see current investment recommendations configured to match their personal plan preferences. Active 401k. Okay. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. The great thing about achieving financial freedom, you can keep working if you want to, but you don't have to. And here's more good news. KPP clients who are active 401k subscribers will receive a complimentary subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Each Friday, Steve Peasley writes a market action and trend newsletter that serves as a quick summary of the week that was. It also includes stock ideas, portfolio management information, and consumer finance tips. So enroll in the Active 401k program and also get the KPP Premium Newsletter. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. This is Invest Talk, and we are all watching the markets go up, then down. So now, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Justin Klein is here taking your questions live. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. 
Long-time listener, enjoy the show a lot. I'm looking at a stock here for maybe a long-term growth. It's AVP, Avon Products. I notice, you know, the stock seems to have good growth potential. The PE is low. The price is sure low. And the company's been bought over by a, I believe it was a Brazilian company or something that really has shown it good growth potential in many other countries other than the United States. It shot up a lot this year, really, you know, almost doubled in price. So, wondering what you, your thoughts were on the stock and if it would be a good uh, growth potential for the ongoing future. Thank you for your help. I look forward to hearing your answers on the show. Well, first off, I want to nitpick uh, uh, one statement in there. Uh, and when he said, price is sure low. And I get this all the time. And it is the number one lesson I try to teach everybody. I get people, you know, asking me for stock tips, you know, friends and family and blah, blah, blah. And they'll, they'll talk about a particular stock and they'll say, well, it's trading for, it's, you know, it's cheap. It's only $20 or, you know, uh, it's kind of expensive. It's trading for $280, whatever it is, right? Let me explain something to you. There are more stocks that are expensive that are trading for under $5 than there are stocks that are expensive that are trading for over $500. Okay? So never refer to a stock as cheap or expensive simply based on the dollar amount of the price that it's trading for. There are tons of companies that are trading for in the teens that are extremely expensive. And there are tons of companies that are trading for hundreds of dollars a share that are cheap. Okay, so it's all in relation to their market cap, their enterprise value, as well as the type of sales, cash flow, earnings that the company has. So let's start with that, okay? Now, Avon Properties, AVP, it has gone up recently pretty dramatically. It's now trading at $4.24 at the close today. Near the end of last year, it was trading for less than $1.50, kind of where it bottomed. And so it's up pretty dramatically this year. Three, you know, it's talking two, three hundred percent Now, the reason that is, is because for a number of years, revenues and earnings were falling fairly dramatically. And recently... The last two quarters, while revenue deceleration increased to 13% negative last quarter and 15% negative the quarter before, earnings actually increased pretty dramatically, hundreds of percent year over year. They were losing money in the second and th- uh, first and second quarter of last year, and now the first and second quarter of this year, they're making a decent amount of money. Big, big turnaround in their business. And I want to know why that is. You're talking about growth overseas. I need to know why. Why? How did they? How did revenue drop double digits, but earnings grew so dramatically? I want to know those reasons. Uh, so it, it's hard for me to say, oh, this is a great growth name because the earnings are all over the place. Uh, they're in a dollar three in 2013, and just two years later in 2015, they made a penny, and they're supposed to make 19 cents this year. So all over the place. I don't love it. I think you missed the boat here. I would really need to understand what has driven their profitability turnaround with lack of revenue turnaround because history shows that 
if you don't turn around revenue eventually, that earnings growth or earnings mechanism that you turned on will eventually slow down and maybe even go away. So definitely not something that I would be excited about investing in. Let's go to Farhan in San Jose looking at WY, which I believe is Weyerhaeuser, which is a REIT, correct? Yes. Um, hi, Justin. So my question was actually a little bit more general. I wanted to understand okay. the concept of uh, fund sum operations, and if that is a okay. if that is like a gap metric, I mean, or is that open to interpretation, or can we take it at face value that a company when a co- company publishes its FFO and its adjusted FFO? Well, it, it's cert- there's certainly a lot less levers to maneuver uh, when it comes to FFO versus earnings. And for everyone out there, FFO stands for funds from operation. And this is how REITs report their quote unquote earnings. They're they're not quoting, they're, they're not reporting earnings, they're reporting funds from operations. And this is more of a cash flow metric, a cash flow metric, because that's what is most important when it comes to REITs and, and taxing REITs, because REITs are passed through entities. They're not taxed at the corporate level, but they're taxed, uh, 90% of their cash flow has to be passed on to their shareholders. That's why REITs tend to have much higher dividends, as well as you have to understand that those dividends are not taxed like an ordinary dividend, like you would see from a Procter & Gamble. They are taxed at your, your ordinary income tax rate. So understand that. Now, funds from operation, uh, like I said, Still can be maneuvered, still can be kind of massaged, shall we say, uh, but in a lot less ways than your typical earnings announcements. Uh, are you looking at Weyerhaeuser and are you confused by something? Uh, I was looking at Weyerhaeuser um, for my tax effort, adding, um, adding Weyerhaeuser to my tax advantage account, but I wasn't sure whether this okay. was a good time to have exposure to something in the housing market. Yeah, that's my biggest worry here is, yeah, and that's my biggest worry here is economically, even though short term you see interest rate movements down should help housing and has to some degree, clearly it hasn't helped timber prices and you see that with Weyerhaeuser here. While it fell out of bed with the rest of the market from the mid to high 30s back in late last year to a low of what's the 52 week low $20.52 now it's up to 24.71 but it hasn't recovered nearly as well as a lot of the other housing stocks so it shows you that timber prices are not doing quite as well and you're seeing that in the funds from operation 2018 $1.18 and this year only expected 53 cents and only 84 cents next year and i think if the economy doesn't reaccelerate, I think that is only going, that deterioration is only going to continue. And so I would not be a fan of Weyerhaeuser at these levels. I would be looking for REITs that are more anti-cyclical, maybe some digital type REITs, things that are less tied to the overall economic cycle. And the fundamentals aren't deteriorating the same way that Weyerhaeuser is. So I would not be buying Weyerhaeuser at these levels. Thanks for the call. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk. And I think it's safe to assume that you are serious about investing and want to grow your wealth, right? And that is our goal each and every day 
on InvestTalk, but we also can't help you after hours, right? During trading. And our goal is to help you decipher between your emotions of fear and greed and what the facts are of the underlying economy and underlying stocks and bonds and commodities. And what you need to do as an investor is to understand your risk tolerance, what what level of volatility gives you those emotional feelings. And then does your portfolio match the guardrails that those emotions tend to give you, right? Or maybe not guardrails, but trigger points. So what you should probably do is go over to investtalk.com, click on the risk analysis tool there, take the quiz, understand whether you're a moderate, conservative, aggressive investor, and we can help you decipher whether your portfolio matches that number. So go over to Invest Talk right now and check it out. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. We have a few important dates for serious investors. Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose on August 29th to meet one-on-one with listeners who understand how they can benefit from Steve's no-cost portfolio review consultations. Appointments are limited, so register now. And please tell your friends and family members who live in the New York area that Steve is coming to Manhattan for two days on September 19th and 20th. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin are always happy to answer your questions. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Art in Menlo Park. He has a question about earnings per share, correct? Uh, no, actually, I had a question about uh, preferred shares versus uh, oh, preferred shares. Got it. Shares. Yeah, I wanted to find okay. out uh, how badly it dilutes the uh, common shares if it does, in fact, do that. No, it does not. It does not because preferred shares are aren't equity. Uh, now, some of them will do have the ability to convert into equity based on certain parameters. So, yes, they could eventually. Uh, dilute shares if certain aspects are uh, achieved. Usually stock price hits a certain level. It's basically a call option on the stock. Uh, but each preferred is, is different. That's why there's uh, usually a lot of different share classes that have different parameters, different dividend yields, different expirations, if they have any, different conversion rates to common equity, etc. So yes, it's possible to dilute the common with the preferreds, but it, it takes a little bit of digging and, and analysis to really understand how all the pre- outstanding preferred shares affect the common shares outstanding eventually. So if a uh, company just, uh, um, I guess, uh, uses the preferred uh, a little bit at a time, so it won't uh, affect the, uh, the common shares too much then? Like no, nope, because there's the only be like claim a preferred has... The only claim a preferred has is simply the yield, the dividend yield on that, typically. Straight, like I said, preferreds can be complex just like uh, any bond or any other type of uh, complex instrument. But generally, 
its only claim is on the assets in order to pay in order to pay that preferred share dividend so it's not diluting or it's not equity it's actually not equity in in that sense in general i like i said they're kind of hybrid instruments but i wouldn't worry them about them in in general there's a lot more dilution that comes from share issuance for compensation for workers than there typically is on the preferred share side thanks for the call art now let's get to our main talking point today and that is the fact that some analysts are recommending that to buy tech stocks in lieu of other industries that may be more exposed to China and the trade war, right? And the supply chain that has been built up for, you know, you're talking 20, 30 years in relation to China. And that tech stocks can avoid a lot of the fallout from the trade war. And I think in some instances, in some aspects, that's that's definitely true. However, what I do think is that this bang mantra, right? The the focus on sexy tech names have actually driven a lot of risk into that sector. And the overweight of the tech sector in the S&P 500, for example, simply gives those names a lot more room to fall because of valuations that they're trading at. Now, granted, about 58% of sales come from outside the United States in the tech sector. And I think that's a big issue, right? Because about 39% of the S&P 500 sales come from overseas. And growth abroad is actually a lot slower than it is here in the United States. Now, the only other sector that gets more than half of its revenue outside the United States is the material sector. So it just shows you that there's a lot of exposure in the tech space to the foreign markets. And that has been slowing down well before our markets actually have. Now, there's some truth to the fact that enterprise software tends to be less cyclical than a lot of other areas of the tech space, but it doesn't mean it is completely immune. And in fact, I think it will be exacerbated by the fact that so many zombie companies or just companies that are unprofitable remain in the market because of low interest rates, cheap money, low of credit, that central banks just keep perpetuating. Now the big question is when will that party end? And when will central banks give up on the goal of 2% inflation that they've been focusing on for a decade plus that they've been unable to manipulate and create? And I think we're at near the end of that. And their change in policy tools, I think, is going to give a rude awakening to the tech sector and the valuations that we see there. And more of the policy is going to go towards government spending, macro prudential tools, and the scrutiny on the tech sector is an example of that. 
And I think you're going to see that continue over the next five to 10 years until we find a different way to manipulate, governments find a different way to manipulate the economy over time. This is Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here, and that's to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. We are going into the last segment, so if you want to give us a call, you want to do it now. Our work continues after this break, so get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, why baby boomer household wealth is now 12 times greater than that of millennials. That story tomorrow. But now, Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. I just had a question about other precious metals. I see gold is being used a lot to counter or to be a defensive measure against the downturn in the market. How do you guys feel about palladium? Uh, specifically, I was looking at the ETF, ticker symbol, P as in Paul, A as in Apple, L as in Larry, L as in Larry. It is the Aberdeen's Palladium ETF. I was going to invest in it, but I think I'm a little bit late to the party. I think it's run up a lot the past few months. Uh, love to hear, you guys, hear your guys' opinion. Bye. All right, it's looking at Palladium. P-A-L-L is the symbol of this ETF that he's considering. And if you don't know about Palladium, Palladium is considered a precious metal, absolutely is. And from a price perspective, it kind of took off around the time that gold took off again in late last year, kind of uh, uh, the end of the fall and into, sorry, beginning of the fall, and into the the winter. But recently, it's kind of pulled back. It peaked in the March time frame and has kind of been consolidating ever since. It really hasn't taken off like gold and silver has over the past few months, and that's what worries me. And now, the main use of palladium is in are in things like catalytic converters for automobiles, okay, uh, it's it helps to kind of filter out the toxic substances. It's going to be in your muffler, in your car most likely, and therefore it has a strong correlation to the automobile industry and is into the industrial sector overall. Uh, and that's I think one of the reasons why it hasn't performed quite as well as gold and silver. And silver kind of has this same industrial type applications that make it more cyclical than gold, uh, but I think it still has that kind of safe haven place in our monetary system, gold and silver, and it's been used a long time. Gold and silver both have been as base metals. Palladium doesn't really have that history. And has a lot more cyclicality to its uses. So I wouldn't say say don't have a, a large position or a small position. I think there's nothing wrong with having a small position. I don't love the chart recently, but I'm a much bigger fan of gold and silver over palladium 
simply because of its monetary history, its history as money, whereas palladium just simply does not have that. Even though it is a precious metal, I would stick with gold and silver myself. Thanks for the call. That was palladium, P-A-L-L is the symbol. Now let's talk quickly a little bit about early retirement, and we, we talk about financial independence and retiring early here. Some call it FIRE. And a lot of people discuss the specifics of how much they should be saving, what they should be saving it in, how to map the financial aspect of retiring early. But I think what is more important is how your retirement is going to evolve and how you're going to deal with changing careers if that's what you're doing, right? Going from something you don't want to do to something you really want to do, maybe part-time. And what your identity is post-retirement. A lot of people have some type of identity around their career, around their job, what they do, and what kind of value they bring to society and other individuals. And the social aspect of having a job, going to happy hour, making friends at your work, or maybe making friends with other companies that you deal with. We've all had these situations. And so if you are looking to retire or even looking to retire early, you need to be addressing these qualitative aspects. A lot of people focus on the quantitative, but I urge everyone to continue to think about the qualitative aspects to keep yourself involved and mentally healthy long term. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Please come back tomorrow. Steve will be here with highlights from the APP Premium Newsletter, and I return on Wednesday. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.